Greece of old, the legends and the myths, Achilles and his gold, Achilles and his gifts, Spider-Man's control, and Batman with his fist. And clearly I don't see myself upon that list. But she said, where'd you wanna go? How much you wanna risk? I'm not looking for somebody with some superhuman gifts, some superhero. Some What's going on everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Wishes of Gallery Place podcast. Vernon and Dama back on the show and it is Monday the 12th and it's been a while since we've recorded but we're excited to get back with you guys. We're still not in basketball season yet but we are inching there and we know when football starts that everything is getting closer. Training camp will be here before we know it and then the preseason and then It'll be opening night for us against uh, Indiana sooner or later. So, but there's still some stuff to talk about. Not much, but there is some, and that's why we're here talking with you today. But, Dama, my man, it's been a while since we chatted. How's it going? How are you feeling about the Wizards at this point? It's all good over here, man. I, I think uh, I think there's reason for for fans to be optimistic about about this season, but there's there's obviously. Uh, you know, some questions that need to be answered and some things we're kind of banking on that uh, history hasn't uh, been on. History isn't really on the side of the Wizards for it, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, there's a there's a leap in, in uh, coaching with Wes. I'm hoping there's a return to form with Beal. Beal uh, Kuzma takes another step. The young guys, at least one of them, takes another step to be, you know, a true starter level player. Um, and then KP, if he can just stay healthy. Um, so, that, like I said, there are reasons to be optimistic about this year. Um, but, you know, there are some some caution caution signs up. Yeah, for sure. And as we get closer to the season, we're going to get into more player projections, the preseason stuff, do more of outlook type things. But right now it's mostly going to be talking about other teams, other things going on around the league, but we do have some Wizards-specific things to go over today. Um, first one, sort of Wizards-related, sort of not. Donovan Mitchell obviously traded to the Cavaliers for, what was it, Laurie Markin and um, Colin Sexton. The, uh, and then three picks, right? And two swaps. And two swaps, okay. So, And all three picks are unprotected, by the way. So that happened, and it was reported several times, mostly by Sham Sharania, that the, the Wizards were interested in acquiring Donovan Mitchell and that the, they were mentioned as a team that had been in talks with the Utah Jazz um, on more than one occasion. So the Wizards, I think, were definitely interested, but I didn't know that there was so much tie-up with the draft picks. I literally thought that it was only the the 23 pick that was holding everything up and limiting our flexibility. But there's another one too down the line, again, that I had no idea about. And so we're kind of in a rough spot where when you have no young players to put in a trade, I mean, arguably besides, I think, Daniel Gafford, and you could maybe make an argument for Johnny Davis just because he's still a rookie. But those are literally probably the only two guys that have any legit value to other teams at this point. You, you could argue Denny, um, I guess, depending on the team and what kind of player they're looking for. But really, those two are it. And then you combine that with 
not having enough draft capital to send out, the, the Wizards were never seriously going to be considered as a trade partner in, in a Donovan Mitchell deal. Yeah, I mean, as simply put, it was it was the lack of trade capital, and I I had mentioned this in our in our thread uh, on Twitter before that I, I thought Danny Ainge wasn't really keen on the players that were involved. You know, it wasn't like he was trying to get another star back or a young guy back that he felt like could be a star. I felt like he was trying to get whichever team was going to give him the most unprotected picks, and that's where I think the Knicks lost out. Like. They had a bunch of, they had a lot of volume of picks. Shoot, they had our pick, but it's protected. They had a lot of protected picks to throw at the deal, but they weren't willing to give three unprotected first round picks. The Cavs were, so the Cavs got the deal done. Um, And so, you know, from that standpoint, the Wizards had zero shot. (laughs) Like, I mean, it was 0% chance they were getting Donovan Mitchell because they can't trade up a first round pick unprotected or not until 2028. So it was just, it was just, it was like I said, it was, it was 0% chance of happening no matter how interested, uh, you know, Tommy reportedly was. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to, to Danny Ainge really quick, I think that, and remember in our group chat, I said this several times that if the Knicks were not going to give up what the Jazz wanted, even though the Knicks at the end of the day still may have had the better package, he was going to deal with someone else. That's the vibe that I got the entire time was thinking about it this way. Like, and I used the same analogy when I was on Locked on Wizards a few weeks ago, if you guys want to go listen to that. Um, it's the same thing with like the the Raptors being interested in uh, Kevin Durant, for example. Like if you're Brooklyn and the Raptors say, "Okay, we'll give you this, this, and this," but it doesn't include Scotty Barnes, then there really is no deal to be had, no matter how you want to look at it. Like that—that's how right. you have to look at it because you never want to sell yourself short with the team that you're dealing with. The the Cavs, they probably said, "Take anyone you want outside of you know all the." the guys that are probably untouchable for them, like Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, everyone other than that, they probably said, have your pick of the litter. And there's something to be said for that. Like everyone on the Knicks, like I feel like the only one that, I mean, I don't even know if you could call anyone untouchable really. Cause I think people gas up RJ Barrett. I really don't think he's all that great. Um, but then the, they didn't want to, they didn't want to give up Quentin Grimes or something like that. Or they, didn't want to give up quickly and Grimes or or that Novi Toppin or something like that. I don't know. Either way, the it seems like the Knicks weren't as flexible or weren't willing to be as flexible as they probably should have been. And that's why Ainge went another direction. And it doesn't surprise me, even though that Utah may not have gotten the the a better return from a draft pick standpoint, it's still like Danny Ainge is is going to be calling people's bluff like fine like you're not going to give me this much well i'll go deal with another team do you want to make me a last minute offer or not and the teams are calling his bluff like fine you know go and do it then because and but like the reports were saying and, and the back of the knicks heads minds are like yeah yeah you go do that and then once you realize you're gonna you're not gonna find anything better you're gonna come crawling back and they tried calling his bluff, and he was like, fine, I'm going to go do it. And then he did it, and it, it really didn't surprise me because, again, that's just the kind of vibe that I was getting the, the whole time, that if the Knicks weren't going to meet the asking price, he was going to move on to someone else. And that's why if there was any hope for there being uh, a deal made with the Wizards, that was it. 
because I figured that Ainge would move on to a different team if the Knicks weren't going to meet the asking price. Yeah, we would have needed help to to get some draft capital over to them. Um, yeah. You know, and like I said, Danny Ainge set the price. Like I, I firmly believe he wanted three unprotected picks. Like that, the players aside, like it needs to be three unprotected picks plus a RJ Barrett or whoever the hell you want to throw in if you're the Knicks. Like, and I think the Knicks standpoint, they like, well, we're giving you RJ Barrett. That should count as a big asset. But like Ainge looking at it like RJ Barrett, like. A, I'm trading for him to pay him a hundred something million dollars, and I don't even think he's all of that. Like, uh, I'll pass. I'll take the unprotected picks and the three role players that probably aren't a part of my future. But I'm really eyeing. I'm eyeing some eighth graders, <laughs> some some seventh and sixth graders in the future that I'll be able to draft with those unprotected picks that that I'm getting from the Cavs. But, you know, it is what it is. Again, the the Wizards never really had a shot. Uh, but I do think that Cleveland now has a tough team. Whereas, uh, as before, I don't think we were as good as the Cavs before the trade. But now, it, like, it separates us even more. And the more I think about it now and looking at the Eastern Conference, and we can kind of just go over any thoughts we have on that for a second. But the Wizards really just don't have a shot, in my opinion, at being a relevant team in the East this year. Yeah, I mean, when you when you break it down, I mean, you know, KD staying with the Nets, Kyrie staying, um, them getting a healthy Ben Simmons back. To they're going to be the Nets, They're going to be a top three team, like uh, definitely a top four team. So you got the Nets, obviously the Bucks, their championship pedigree. You got the Celtics, they got better, and Brogdon for basically nothing. Um, and then and then you got uh uh, uh Philly, Philly, Miami. Right? So those, and in Miami, right. So that that's five off rip. Like, guaranteed, I feel, are going to be better. So, at best, we talking about a six seed, and you're comparing, you're, you're competing for that with the Bulls, who were, shoot, they were the number one seed when they were healthy last year. Um, yeah. And they bringing all their guys back, even though I don't know about Lonzo Ball's health. Um, but they were better, so we just got to go off of that. So you you got the Bulls, you got the Hawks who traded for a guy that we wanted in DeJounte Murray. So yeah. they got better, yeah. right? Um, and they got him for basically a, a, a bench player, an aging bench player, and some some probably going to be low first-round picks. Uh, so, yeah, they got better. And then you got the Cavs who just, who just added Donovan Mitchell. For and without giving up a top five player on their team, um, I, I just and then, you, and then you got the Raptors. So that's another how many teams is that? That's another four team, four teams on top of the five I already named. And then the, the Knicks and the Hornets, you could maybe flirt with, right? And and, I, and that's that's the group that I feel like the Wizards are in. They're in that group with the Knicks and the Hornets teams that are trying to win, but don't really have the the talent. Uh, quotient to, to, to do it. So, literally, real quick, just to, to name the teams that we didn't go over, and it's uh, it's not a lot, by the way. Um, Detroit, which I think could actually be sneaky good this year. I'm still not expecting them to be, but um, I do like their roster, actually. Um, Orlando, which, uh, kind of a given, they're going to be bad. And then Indiana. So, those are the only three teams that we haven't gone over to where we're like, yeah, like the 
those teams are better than the Wizards. And that's only three teams, by the way. So that's like 10 teams that are probably better than the Wizards, and then two that they're maybe in the same tier as. So, like I was saying, when you look at it and you break it down, like someone's going to have to get injured. Not that I would want that or anything. But people are going to have to get banged up on other teams or something for us to be relevant because right now I just don't see it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to think of a best case scenario, like because you know there's going to be injuries, right? And it's kind of like some of these teams, talent wise, it's like it's going to be a mat. The, the talent is pretty even. Like I don't I don't think like that next group of teams, like the uh, and I will honestly now probably move the Cavs into that group with Miami, um, the yeah, Boston Celtics. I, yeah, I would I would move them up into that like bona fide like. Top six. Like you're making the playoffs. You're definitely making the playoffs. The the teams that I would have as like that play in type, probably the Bulls, the Raptors, the Hawks, uh, the Hawks, um, and then us, the Hornets, and, and the, Knicks. the Knicks. So it's going those six teams. Like I don't of those six. I you know I can rank the Hawks or whoever above us, but I don't think the talent gap is so crazy that, you know, if we finished ahead of them, I would be like, Oh my God, how did we do that? You know, but it's going to come down to like, who's the healthiest, who has the best continuity, who plays defense. And it's hard for me to really speak on those things when the wizards don't have a history of it. Um, and we, and we haven't seen them do it. So I got to see 20 games of them playing Great defense, playing at a top 15 level on that end. And, you know, Bradley Beal back to his old self. Kristaps Porzingis staying on the floor. Um, you know, and then, like I said, one of those young guys taking a leap, man. Like, it, it's got to happen. Like, they're top 10 picks. It has to happen. Like, we didn't draft you to be bench players. Like, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't. Take if I'm a GM and I'm drafting top ten, I'm not drafting top ten to go get an eighth man. That's just not <laughs> like no. Like I'm trying to get Paul George, you know, top ten. I'm trying to get uh uh shoot. I mean, you can run a list of names. Like I'm trying to get an all star caliber player from drafting top ten. A eighth man, a seventh man. That's just not acceptable to me. Yeah. I agree. And, and like certain things happen. It's like right now, Rui coming off the bench, like, you know, it's not optimal, but I get it. Um, the, the fact that we're already saying that Will Barton's going to be penciled in as a starter over Denny is not a good sign. And who knows? Maybe Denny goes into camp and wins it. Um, so. You know, but, but, but anyway, point being is the, the Wizards are not, go, are not even penciled in right now as a play-in team, in my opinion, because just everyone in that and that tier is so competitive and you never know. And the only reason, like, I would love to staple them in as a, as a playing team, but the only reason I can't is because two out of our big three has shown to be injury prone over the years. And that makes me very hesitant because when we were talking about going over, like you were saying with injuries just now, and how other teams can get injured, well, we got two injury prone guys right at the top of our roster. And then we've already talked about the rest of it outside of like Kuzma and Will Barton, Monte Morris. Like, it's, it's really. Not that good. So if we lose one of those guys for a significant amount of time, I don't see how we're going to be able to hang, especially if Chicago's healthy. Um, 
if if the even if the Knicks stay healthy, like I I don't see how we're gonna be able to hang with those guys if one of uh, Beal or KP has to miss significant time. I think that could really derail the season. Yeah, when you're already lacking talent, you don't have a lot of room for error. Like you can't afford Beal or KP to miss thirty games, or Kuzma to miss thirty games. Like you just can't. Like you need your your quote unquote big three. You need all them guys to give you sixty five plus games at minimum. And then, like I said, you need one of the young guys to step the hell up, so that you know we we come out of this year and we legitimately are like, okay, yeah, that's our fourth best player. Because right now, I don't know who the hell that is. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I would probably say Monte Morris. If I'm going off last year, yes. Yes. But it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be Monte Morris. That means that you're not... It that means that the guys... Or Rui, right. It, it means that the guys you drafted aren't becoming what you drafted them to become. Um, and that's starter-level impact players. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, like I say, by mid-season, by all-star break, we're looking at this team totally different, and we're saying, hey, man, they, they got they got more talent than maybe we thought. Yep. Right now, it's just hard to envision that, though. And, again, it's not that we don't want them to be good. It's just realistically going over things. Like, me personally, anyway, I just don't see a path right now to even being, like, a top-eight team. I just don't. Um, kind of relevant to this topic with the Donovan Mitchell trade. The the reason the Wizards, I we already talked about, and a lot of people know this, that the the reason they were never seriously considered as a trade partner is because they don't have the draft picks to deal out. And one of the biggest things tying this up right now was the the Wall Westbrook deal that happened um, way back when, and it, it really limited what the Wizards could give up in a trade for basically anyone right now. And so this, this isn't just for now, this is in the, like this year, like the wizards probably aren't going to be able to pull off a trade for um, the star player at all this year. Like what this roster is right now, like they, they may make a move at the deadline to try and make an upgrade on the bench. But for now, I mean, they literally have no flexibility or assets to, to make a move for any of those bigger types of players. So I wanted to get your thoughts um, on revisiting the, the Wall and Westbrook deal, and would they have just been better off keeping Wall and just letting him maybe stay at home if if push came to shove and just letting him sit? Or just, you know, as an owner, you can get over it, walk and publicly apologize, and then you just move on. I felt like that was the more adult way to go about it um, instead of just, like, having a hissy fit and trading your franchise player away for one of the worst eyesores I've ever had in a wizard uniform, but I digress, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Shots fired. Um, yeah. So it's tough to say, like if I'm taking a step back from it and trying not to be like emotional and just down completely on it, like, you know, that trade, you know, the protected 23 pick, uh, plus wall to get Russ back. And then you flipped Russ for, uh, Montrezl Hurl, you flip, uh, you got KCP, you got Kuzma, um, and then he, he threw, he was able to get Dinwiddie into that deal, right? And then you took Dinwiddie, attached him to to uh, uh, KCP, I mean, attached Dinwiddie to Bertans, the bad contract. You got KP, 
and then you traded KCP for Monte and Barton. So when I do the tally, right, you basically traded Wall and a protected 23 picks that, that limits your trade flexibility until 2028. You traded that to get KP, Will Barton, Monte Morris, and Kyle Kuzma. All right. Just looking at that in a vacuum, I think I still do the deal. I still do the deal. But I would have made other ancillary moves to ensure that I had that trade flexibility back. Because you knew when you made that deal, you know, stars come available every year. We see this every year. It's a star that's available. You never made that move to get your flexibility back to be ready for the star to come available. And now you're kind of sitting, you know, with your hands out and just like, dang, like, why nobody want to play with me? Why nobody want to do a deal with me? Well, because you don't have what nobody wants. You don't have picks, tradable picks. You know, people want to know, people want that mystery box. Like, they look at Denny Rui and Gafford and those guys. Once you draft them and you play them on the court for a couple years, teams feel like they know what they are for the most part. You know, they want the mystery box draft pick so they can go and scout their own guy and, and have that same hope that Wizards fans have on, on draft night. Um, and without that flexibility, with that pick being tied up, it you can't make a move. So, I, but but again, in a vacuum, just looking at it, I think I still do that deal. I I would still do it. So I'll use some of the same talking points, and I'm gonna say that's why I wouldn't do it. The the, the biggest reason for me why I wouldn't do it is because like hindsight's twenty twenty. Like at the time, if we were throwing that deal, would you do that? Like if if it was straight up like that, like, um, yeah, maybe. But like when you just go back and you look at everything and how it's led up to this point now where we still have no assets, um, the organization is still in limbo like it was three to four years ago. Like we have made about zero progress in terms of staying competitive within our own conference, which is what really matters. Uh, three, four years ago, we were about the 12th, 11th, 10th best team in the East. Right now, we're about 10th, 11th, 12th best team in the East. We are no better, even though the roster has technically improved. I'm not going to say that I'd rather have Jerome Robinson, the the Isak Bonga, that team over this team. I'm not saying that. But you have to be able to improve relative to your opponents, the, the ones that you're going to be competing for playoff seeds with. And we haven't done that. And look, I was team rebuild from the beginning. And I'm still team rebuild now. And and the reason that I am is because we have no assets and we need to have young players come in that can lead us to hopefully better things because this Beal Porzingis Kuzma thing is, is fun. Um, I'm not going to say that it's not a, a good trio of guys to have, but number one, we have no flexibility to get any better. So like literally what we have now between those three, that is the ceiling. We are getting no better. And we're already talking about the team right now being possibly not even a play-in team. So what's the point of continuing to try to spam win-win-win 
when you're just going to lose, win, lose. So it's like, I'm just not feeling it. Like I understand it was the financially responsible thing to um, resign Bradley Beal. Even though the no trade clause was unacceptable to me, I still feel like they could have gotten the deal done without it. I, I, I don't know why that was in there because now that limits your trade partners where you could get like more draft picks, say from like the, the Kings, for example. Well, now you can't do that um, because he's probably going to say no. So, um, but overall, man, I, I just, I, I don't think the outlook on this team is, is that good? They should have hit, hit the rebuild button when they had the chance. And actually on the new 2K game, um, I, as soon as I got into my NBA and I started with the with the Wizards, I went ahead and traded KP and Kuzma for any young players or picks that I could get and just went about my way. I, I, just, yeah. I just don't see how this plays out to where we're a team to be reckoned with in the East. Yeah, and I, and I, I understand that sentiment, man. Like, I, I, I think I'm – I kind of go back and forth on this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm team whatever lane they decide, but if you're going to make that decision – like really do it the correct way, right? Right. Don't half-ass it. Because even if they did re, if even if they decided to rebuild, but then they keep they keep drafting role players, or they keep their 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 uh uh scouting uh uh um how they scout is the same. Well, we're gonna be back in the same situation six seven years from now, right? Like, and so. I'm just like, whatever they decide to do, do it the right way. And so, like, I can look back at this deal for me in a vacuum and say, okay, I would do that deal, but you need to do the other ancillary deal with it to make sure that you have your trade flexibility. Because there's going to be another superstar that's available. You can book it, right? It's going to be shy. It's going to be somebody. Somebody's going to be available and we can't be again saying we're trying to win, we're trying to compete for championships, but then you don't have the assets to go get the player to help you do that. And you know you need the player. That's why you was all in, you were trying to get Donovan Mitchell. That's why you were calling about KD. You know you don't have enough. You know it. So do what you got to do to have enough to get the guy to to really put you in that that top six conversation legitimately. And like, I'm just like over the years, I've, I've tended to be a, a homer in some spots. And I think that the, the team is a lot better than they are. So I've completely just like scratched that mindset now. And so where it's like on game night and stuff, like I'll still be hype when they win and stuff, but like always in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is going to lead to nowhere. So, and after listening to a bunch of uh, people on different podcasts, um, nationally and locally, and just reading over everyone's work with with stats um, and just hearing everyone on on Twitter speak their minds on certain things. Like it's just, I just don't see a light at the end of the tunnel on this one until they just trade Bradley Beal, get what you can for the other veterans on this roster, and just move forward. And you know what? You may never draft like that superstar, but. The point is, you'll never know until you try, and it would be a big risk. But it's a lot better than trying to like 
find the perfect deal under a microscope where you have to come away saying like you, you gave your best effort, but you came away with Monte Morris and Will Barton. I mean, I'd rather rebuild than keep trying to do this year after year because it's just, it's embarrassing. I think it's insulting to the fan base because it keeps making us think that we're improving, even though again, relative to our competition, we're really not. So I'm just tired of it. You yeah. Know? You went from, you went, you went from a 25 win 10 seed to a 35 win 10 seed. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like it's still the 10 seed. It's still you the fucking 10 It's like, woo, yay. Like, it's like, okay, all right, celebration. Like, well, you know, party on uh, 7th Street. Um, but yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I think. I guess for me, like, I look at it either way. Like, I, I don't think we'd be any better if they traded Bill at this point. Like, I think we would still suck even now. Like, but I don't think. But it's like, then you're trying to suck, and I can get behind it. Right. But when, right. You're, like, when you're not I, trying to suck, then, it, then it's embarrassing. Right, right. And, and I, I think if they had traded Bill, they would have got, you know, they would have got a decent haul. They would have got picks. And then I think they would have used the picks on the wrong guys. And then we would be sitting here like, God damn, man, such and such team got X player at pick number three and we got, you know, or pick number four and we took the wrong guy at pick three. You know, I, I, we'd be having this same conversation like, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? So it's like for me, I'm just like, whatever they whatever their next move is, whatever the next phase of this Wizards org is. You know, after this whole Bill era, I want everybody gone. Like, I want the whole thing tore down to the nub and a whole new brain trust of guys and gals brought in to do this the right way from go. From go. Like, just, like, tear it all down. Like, top down. Like, because for me... I don't have faith really in either direction they go because I don't trust how they scout and I don't trust how they develop. Um, and you got, you got, you got Tommy saying one thing, you got West saying another thing. Like the fact that they said Johnny Davis could, Tommy said Johnny Davis could play point guard, bro. Good Lord. To me, to me, that should be disqualification for that man to be GM. Like it, that is crazy to me. <laughs> like, well, it, that's that was crazy gonna, to me. That was going to be my next thing because um, you had said that one of the reasons you may not want them to rebuild is because you don't trust Tommy's uh, draft evaluations. I don't think that's a reason to not rebuild. I think that's just a situation where you let Tommy expose himself. Okay, so the, you, organizationally, is I just want them to do the right thing. And, and the right thing to do would have been to hit the reset button because now they're in a situation where – um, Bradley Beal, one of the the middest star players or superstar players, whatever you want to call him, um, in the NBA has this organization by the balls. And so we are going to do whatever it takes to please him, and it's going to lead us down a path that leads to nowhere. So I would rather them just yeah. do the right thing organizationally, let Tommy expose himself with the scouting and the drafting, and then Ted can look back on and say, Okay, so we're doing the right things, but we're not nailing this one or two things that we really need to be doing for a rebuilding team. Then that's when you say, okay, Tommy, we're going to move you into a different role, or we're just going to let you go altogether, and then we're going to bring in someone else to do that big piece of the talent evaluation and the roster building. 
Like that to me, See, and that's is, the, and that's the part though. Like, even if they were like, okay, we're leaning into Bradley Beal as our franchise guy. We're doing everything we can to win around him. We're gonna treat him like he Kobe, right? Okay, well, what what Kobe had Phil Jackson. They went and got Powell Gasol for Kobe. They went and made moves. They were aggressive. They spent money. Like, this ain't that. Like, I, th- that's what I'm waiting on. Like, if you saying this is your lane, this is what you want to do, then you gotta go, you gotta go give him a side, whatever the hell he wants. Part ownership, I don't give a damn. Give it to him. Because you telling the fan base without without in so many words that. We're building around Bradley Beal. We're trying to establish a culture and a winning program here in D.C. with Bradley Beal as the face of it. I'm sorry. Tommy Shepard, Ernie Grunfeld understudy for 16 years. That, to me, does not say championship pedigree or, or, or heat culture. You know, like, that's not, that's not it. Like, it's not. Like, if you're really trying to win, go spend that bread go get that that the gm that everybody wants go get the head coach that everybody wants and then go be aggressive because then I, if you got bill kp kuzma and another star now we having a whole different conversation yeah it's um but i just i just think they half-ass it and that's for me it's like it don't matter what path they do because if they're gonna half-ass it it ain't gonna matter you're gonna be you're going to be in a 10-year rebuild or you're going to be in a 10-year mediocre mid-treadmill. Which one? Which one you want? What different flavor of shit do you want? And, and that's, the again, th- this is what I'm trying to say. Like, with the, when we're no better than we were three or four years ago, we're also still, we haven't chosen a path. And three or four years ago, we were saying the same thing. They need to choose a path. The next offseason, they need to choose a path. The next, they need to, th- this one, they need to choose a path. It's a never ending cycle of mid and mediocre. And then everyone wonders why in April we're watching the playoffs without our team participating. And it's because this organization refuses to, to choose a path and focus in on one way or another. And it's, again, it's, it's like, well, they want to win, but they don't have the assets to win. Okay, then maybe don't try and win then. then. Then maybe try and get rid of the players that you can for draft capital and then just restart like everyone's been asking for for like four or five years now. Like this is – it's just – it's short-sighted. Yeah, like I said, if they, if they do that, if they do that, for me, if for me to really have hope in that, they need a clean house with the front office too. I agree. I agree. When you tra- after you trade Bill, you need to get you – know, Tommy need to go. Not even all go, of his, I don't think he would go. Just take him out of being the head decision maker and personnel. Yeah, I'm fine with that. If you want to put him in like back put him back on Euro Scouting or whatever the hell, I don't know. Uh but the 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 head honcho guy needs to be a different guy. Yeah. I want new everything. Like, new- if if they wanted to move him to some sort of like head of monumental basketball role where he could be more involved with the go go and the mystics or whatever. Like, I'm cool with that because he's a nice guy. Um, he has a really solid background. And so, I mean, I think he would be good at something like that where he can be more in communications, um, be more the, the face of operations. Like, I'm cool with that. But in terms of being the, the, the main guy making decisions for the Washington Wizards, it, I would like that to stop. I mean, I would have preferred it to stop 
this off season. But you know, we are where we are. You know, that's not changing. But again, I, I agree with you. If they do rebuild, then they need someone else making those decisions. Yes. And Tommy Shepard cannot hire that individual. Yes, correct, correct. And I don't want that. I don't want that. I want, I want a full, thorough search done to bring one of the best minds in, probably somebody from the Celtics or Spurs or Raptors pedigree, Warriors or pedigree, he, he. or the Heat teams that are that have won in the last decade. Um, and yeah, bring them in here and, and give them full autonomy to do whatever the hell they want to do. If it means firing West. Unsell Jr. Fine, he's mid too. Sorry, I I love it. I love the story. I love the the uh, you know, the legacy of it. But hey, this is a business, man. Um, that that's just where I'm at with it. But if they if they go rebuild, they trade all the parts, they get all these assets back, and it's still Tommy and and the same brain trust making decisions. I'm not gonna have no hope. Like I I feel like the hope is gonna be fake. And and you know it might feel good for a little bit, but the first time he make the wrong draft choice, and you we three years into this rebuild and we still ain't added to the win total, and we looking at the guy we took and the other team looking at their guy and they got better, we're gonna be having the same conversation. It's true, but I mean I I still think it's more responsible to do that than not. Like that's got like I agree with you. Like I'm not disagreeing with like the. But like the having hope in the front office or the coach or whatever, if they were to rebuild. But what I'm saying, I still think it's more responsible on the part of the organization to to pull that plug and go ahead and rebuild and keep trying to make a weird attempt at whatever this is. Patchwork. It's it patchwork. Is. You get one leak yeah. here, you put a Band-Aid on it, you do some plasti <laughs> <plastic> seal, <laughs> you go... <laughs> You try to patchwork the roof over here. You know, it's like, nah, man. Like, what they should have did was the moment they decided they were moving off a wall, they should have traded Bill. They should have cleaned house with the front office, everything, and bought in one of the better minds that you can bring in to run it all. Yep. Like, whole new everything. Um, But they didn't do that. They kind of, they, they pieced and pulled, and we're going to keep this and get rid of that, and but keep this. And they half fasted, it. And then here we are. We, we, we five years, four years later, and we still basically in the same spot. All right. Let's finish off with some positivity, because I know some people are probably wanting to hear that at this point if they haven't already turned it off. We're going to do some stat projections for our big three this year, Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma. Who do you want to start with? Let's go with Brad Beal. Okay, let me pull up his stats real quick on basketball reference just so I have it. Okay. Um, 22-23 projections for him per 36 minutes. We'll just go over the shooting percentages here. Um, Free throw percentage, 85. Three-point percentage, uh, 32.9. Gross. Um, Field goal percentage, 46.5, which... I don't really understand that, actually. Hold on. Let me go back and look at his field goal. Oh, oh I'm, I was looking at his two-point percentage. Okay. Because yeah, I was like, I thought his field goal percentage was good. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was like, I thought it was in the 50s. But I'm like, oh, no, that's his two-point percentage. So I was tripping. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's about for his career. Um, that's still about 10% over his career for the projected field goal percentage. 
Um, 26.6 points. And he actually played 36 minutes, so this is actually pretty relative to, to what he would average in real time. Um, let's see. 5.6 assists. You'd maybe like that to be up a little bit higher, but that's fine. Um, 4.8 rebounds. Again, you'd probably like that to be somewhere in the fives is what it is. Um, six free throw attempts a game. Six threes attempted per game. 20 field goals attempted per game. Um, I'll take 20 shots on this team, then they nowhere near as talented as yeah, they think they yeah. are. Because yeah, let me go look at his field goal attempts. Um, okay, so last year he was at 19.3. Um, then he was at 23 the year before, 23 the year before that, um, 19 and a half, 18. So, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. what was he at like 17, 18? Like that. That's about probably where I would want to like like eighteen a game, eighteen shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah he was at eighteen point one attempts in seventeen, eighteen. That was that weird year where Wall went down after the you know right before All Star. Um, but was I, that the Dwight Howard year? Yeah. I, oh, was it? Oh, I thought that was that might have been eighteen, nineteen. I don't know. But yeah, I would I would want him at around eighteen or nineteen shots. But I, I do like that. I mean, a twenty-five, five, and five stat line, but just better from three. Like, get back to like thirty-six percent. Get back to average from three-point range on value. Um, at about twenty-five, five, and five with the rest of his game. That's that's where I'm. That's what I'm predicting, and that's also what I'm hoping. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I guess it really just depends on how much they're going to try running the offense through KP because down the stretch of that past season, that's pretty much what they did, albeit it was without Bradley Beal, so maybe their game plan would have been a little bit different. But I'm not so sure that maybe it should be a whole lot different. Like if The, the only problem is with running the offense through KP is as soon as he gets hurt, well, then you got to scratch your offense and then do completely something different. So, uh, But, I mean, I, I liked it when, when they did it last year. But, again, I just don't know if you can rely on that the whole season when you consider KP's health. But um, Bradley Beal's stat line, I mean, 25, I'll say 6 and six and 5. I mean, I, I think that would, that would be good. I want to see those assist numbers go up. We have more shooters this year. Yeah, guys making shots, those numbers should go up for sure. I mean, honestly, he could probably average like 8 assists if he wanted to. Yeah, but see, I think if he did that, it would mean him being more ball dominant, kind of like in a Harden role, and I don't think that's best for him. I would, I would prefer like Kuzma and KP assist numbers to jump, and then it just makes Beal's game more efficient shooting wise because they're they take gravity, and then he gets open looks in his finishing plays instead of having to initiate everything. What would do you know what his um. His three-point percentage was off, like, uh, catch and shoot this past year, because I have no idea. Because I'm trying to see where that stands with the rest of it. Because I know they they wanted to to cut back on him taking off-dribble threes, because that was really derailing his like, percentage. I want to catch and shoot threes. I want to say it was, like, somewhere around league average, like either 36 or 37 catch and shoot. I had to I had to double check. Um, that's it, was why it's like, sure. it was definitely better than his off the dribble 
for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the only person you might not find a difference with that in terms of numbers is Steph Curry. I mean, he probably might be the only one where that's like, eh, it's probably about the same. Um, let me see. I'm, I'm pulling it up now. Uh, catch and shoot three point percentage. Uh, oh God, damn! It was twenty nine percent. Yep, and that's why, like, like, I was like, like, how you were saying, like, we don't want to use Beal like Harden in a sense, but I'm like, I think that's probably how you get the most out of him because at this point, I can't rely on him as a spot up shooter. Oh my god! Yeah, man, that's horrible. When you said it was thirty six, thirty seven, I was like, eh, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) God damn. Maybe I'm thinking of when when he was wide open with his what his uh maybe percentage was like his his open threes that's probably what i'm thinking of um because i know there was a number that he was like at 38 percent. i think it was on like open threes because just you just because it's catch and shoot that don't mean it ain't contested um, sure but damn yeah that's that's really bad that's like russell westbrook level um ah, he learned well 29 percent. god damn Rui is 47 <laughs> percent KP was 37%. Kuzma, 36%. Um, We got some good numbers there. Yeah, so, but but part of me is just also kind of like, okay, how much was this year just a fluke year shooting-wise for Beal? Because if I go 2021, when he was playing with Russ, it was bam near 39% on catch and shoot. And he was shooting more than a half more catch and shoot threes than he was last year. So because you had a guy that had some type of gravity could push the pace, kick it, you had better shot opportunities for Beal. And I'm hoping they can replicate some of that this year because it was just, I just feel like Beal with the ball in his hands trying to do everything, that's a recipe for disaster to me. Yeah, I, I definitely agree when you consider that you have more ball handlers, but I'm just like, all right, if Kuzma and KP got the rock and they're running the offense or they're trying to do their own thing and pick a roll, like, he's got to be a threat on weak side shooting. And, yeah. And, you know, like we were just going over. like So I'm really hoping that it really was a flukier shooting for him, but he really hasn't been a good shooter for – a few seasons now like it's been a while since i would have considered bradley beal like a good shooter he's a good mid-range shooter but i mean from from three point like it just it hasn't been there and it it, again we need that this year from him i really agree um i mean outside of this past past year his last four years on catch and shoot threes 38 percent 38 percent 36 percent and then in 17 18 he was 43 percent um, but obviously that year he was playing half a year with Wall. 16-17 with a full year Wall, he was 42%. So that's the guy you want to see, the 42 43% on catch and shoot threes. You know, yeah. I don't know if that guy's still there anymore, but, you know, I feel like if you got more, uh, if you got better point guard play where he doesn't have to do those things and kind of be like a pseudo point guard, 
I think he'll get easier looks, or at least somebody there that can take some some pressure off off of him. You know, can command a double team. You know, that allows for better shot opportunities because his shot quality, I think, was terrible last year, and that's going to affect your percentages. So, all right, you want to do KP or who's next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to KP. Um, you got his numbers of what he averaged the last seventeen games. I know it was something yep. crazy. <laughs> so in 28 minutes, he averaged 22 points, one and a half blocks, uh, basically three assists, 8.8 rebounds. Um, percentages here. Uh, what was his splits? 47.5, 36.7, and 87. So really good shooting splits. His effective field goal percentage um, was 53. So um, he had really good percentages. If we want to go look at what it would have been if he played uh, 36 minutes projection-wise. 28 points, 11 rebounds, um, 3.8 assists. So, I mean, those are definitely all-star numbers. So, I mean, it's really just a matter of, how many minutes he's going to get this year. I mean, that's the first thing I'd be curious about. Um, For his career, he averages around 30, which I think I'd be comfortable like that 30, 31 range, at least to start the season. I I think that's probably where I'd want to keep him at. Um, But, I mean, realistically for this year, I mean, I think if he can hover around 20 points, I think eight rebounds – and then a few assists similar to what he had to close the season. I'm going to go a couple points less just because of be playing with Kuzma and Beal now. Um, but I still think he should be the – maybe the – he's not going to be the main because that's always going to be Beal, unfortunately. Uh, but after that, he'd be my main focal point offensively. So I still think he should be able to hover around 20 points. If you want to go a little bit more realistic, fine. Uh, maybe 17, 18, maybe. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that. He's going to be 20. Like he's been twenty the last five years, four years. Yep. Like he's gonna be yep. twenty. He's just too good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know what? I'm looking at his assist number. He was at two point nine assists, basically three assists for us. That would have been by far his career high, right? So that just goes back to what you were saying as far as how we were running the offense through him, inside out, give it to him mid high post, and then let the defense collapse, kick out the shooters, right? That's an easy formula, like, and I think that's a formula that Brad Beal and even Kuzma um, and Kispert, some of those guys can thrive in. Um, I want to see that. I want to see more of that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict him at 20 points a game, eight rebounds, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say he averages four assists. What? Four assists. Yes, four assists. So Beal assists go down. KP's assists go up. He's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna blow away his his career high in assists, which currently is one point three, two point three. If you count all of last year together, it's two. He averaged two point three assists. Yeah, with his time with the Mavs and with us combined, it's two point three. He gonna blow that out the water. I got I got him doing close to four assists a game. It might be something like three point seven, three point eight. But close to four assists a game, I want to see that. Along with twenty points, eight rebounds, and a and a block and a half. 
Yeah, I think that sounds pretty reasonable, and especially if he keeps those efficient shooting numbers, which he should, to be honest, because, I mean, it's not like we're going to be asking him to carry. So um, if he can give us those elite shooting splits and give us those numbers, he'll be an all-star next year, I think. Um, let's see. All right. Kuzma played 33 minutes last year. Um, I would imagine he'll probably play a little bit more this year, so we'll see if these per 36-minute projections for him are – if you think they're accurate or not. Okay. Um, 70% free throw percentage. Um, I think that's fair. Remember at the beginning of the year last year, he was awful at free throw shooting. And then as, as the year went on, he got more comfortable. But at the beginning, it was like Shaq levels of bad for him. Um, Three-point percentage, 34.8, hovering around average. You'd like that to be up above 35, um, and closer to 36. Field goal percentage, 45. I'll take that. 17.8 points, 3.3 assists, and 8.5 rebounds. I think that's pretty fair, to be honest, um, given context. I I was going to say 17, 18 points, so, and he's like at 17.8, so he's pretty much in between there. Sounds about right to me. 3.3 um, assists, I mean, I think that that should be a little bit higher. And then the eight and a half rebounds, yeah, it sounds about right. So I'm not going to complain about that. What do you think about those? Yeah, so I actually think Kuzma's scoring is going to be down. Um, yeah. Not in a bad way, but I think he's going to take on more of a playmaking role um, because I don't really think this team needs him to be a 20-point-per-game guy. You know, those the 17 a game he was averaging – that was most that mostly came when we got rid of Dinwiddie and, you know, then Beal got hurt and then and then KP only played 17 games. So a lot of that 17 points per game was when he was the number one guy for basically two and a half months. He's not going to be the number one guy on a team with Beal and KP on it. No. So I see that number, the 17 points a game, I see that being closer to like 14 points a game. But in a more efficient 14 a game, but then that assist number goes up. So I would like to see, and what I'm predicting is maybe 14 a game points wise, give me eight rebounds, give me four assists, and a block. I think that's fair. If he's going down to 14, I'd maybe like another assist. Uh, I think he'd do Yeah, that. I'll take five assists, too. Yeah, I, I'll take five assists for sure. He can do it. He's capable. More than yeah. capable. Especially if, if they can get running out on the break a little bit more. Because last year, it, it really took them a while to, to play at a fast pace. And once they did, I thought it looked okay. Um, now with better shooters, you, you would think it would be a little bit better for them to get out and transition, uh, take advantage of those opportunities. So. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say the, the five assist for Kuzma. But I mean, all these numbers and the projections, for the most part, I agree with. The only one that's a little bit hard to gauge is just Porzingis. That's why I, I don't even think I went over it, just because we know he's not going to play 36 minutes a night. So, um, but I think that's going to do it for, for us here today. Anything else you got and you want to go over? Uh, you, got a, you got a record pred- pred- prediction? No, we'll, we'll wait till we get closer <laughs> into the. Uh, the preseason for that. Once we get closer to opening night, we'll go over that. And also, for our coming episodes, we'll, we'll go and get into we'll, – we'll recap other teams' off-seasons in the East. So we'll, we'll go – I know 
last year. I don't, I don't know if we did all of the East. Maybe we did, but this year I want to make sure that we get all of the East. So we'll probably split it up in um, three or four episodes and make sure that we, we touch on every team because uh, a lot happened in the East and it's important to talk about because earlier this episode we talked about yeah, they, they may not be as competitive as we thought. And I just want to kind of go over that with each team and, and explain why for those that may not understand. Sure. All right. So anything else you got it? We're all good? That's all I got. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Really appreciate it, and thanks for bearing with us here. We don't um, – I know I had said a couple times we we're going to be in a little bit of a dead period just because there's really not a whole lot going on. But uh, definitely good to, to be back on doing the pod for an episode. I don't know when the next time we're going to record will be, uh, maybe in a, in a couple or a few weeks. We'll see how things kind of play out. If anything noteworthy happens in the NBA, we'll see. Um, or maybe we can just start kicking off our – opponent previews next week we'll, we'll talk and we'll see how it all goes but if you guys aren't already subscribed please make sure that you are leave us a five-star review if you have any questions comments or concerns you can dm me my dms are open but thanks for listening and we'll see you next time